Welcome back, y'all. Another episode of No Cap Sports. And we're going to keep the series going. We got NFL divisional previews for y'all. This week, we got the NFC South, man, home of the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So as we all know, Tom Brady got ring number seven last year in Tampa Bay. They went in the regular season. They went 11-5, and five, second in the division. When all that matters is they got that ring on the finger in the end. And if you look at their season, bro, you never would have thought they'd make it to where they made it to. Looking at how going into, into their week 13 by, the team was seven and five and fighting for a wild card spot. And they ended up in the wild card game, yes, made it to the Super Bowl. Like I said, that's all that matters. But looking at this season, they're returning all 22 starters. So what does that mean for the Bucs as they have some continuancy into this upcoming season? No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that, Nick. The only thing is, like you pointed out, the seven and five start, you know, going into week thirteen, they're not gonna be able to get into that slow of a start this season, just because you know we all know as athletes, you know, being uh, the, the reigning champion, they're gonna be a target on your back, and you know, teams that necessarily aren't as good, they're gonna be playing above their head, you know, teams that are gonna be struggling or even uh, playoff contenders, you're gonna get every team's best shot. So I, I think if they come out that slow, I know it was all the Arian and uh, TB's first year working together. But if they come out to the same slow pace, I think it could end up being a lot worse for them. Because the team has the talent. We just talked about it. They're bringing all 22 starters back, the talent is not the question. I think it's going to be about, you know, the mentality. Also, you know, how the teams, like I said, teams are going to be playing above their head and how they're going to, you know, take their best shot at Tampa Bay. But if they get off to that, that bad start, that slow start like they did last year, it can, it can seriously impact them. Not, not the, their playoffs, them getting into the playoffs but their seeding and also the confidence the team had going into week 17. It's definitely going to be a target on their back. But uh, you got Tom Brady, it's hard to bet against them. And then also, they say offense sells tickets, defense win championships. And the Buccaneers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Like, if you go down their roster, all you see is name brand God, the Dharma Kong Su. He's past his prime, but he can still get it done. Vita Vea, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, he's coming to his second year. He already looks like an all-pro type of guy, bro. They just have all these uh, people on their roster. That's just the defense. Don't even get me started on the receiving court. I mean, I think they'll be fine, but uh, you never know, bro. Football is a game of, of, of chances. Yeah. Going off what Van said, I definitely think that this this is one of the rare defenses, you know, elite defense that are, that are equally stout against the run as in the past. We all know about uh, Jason Pierre Paul, you know, one uh, nine finger man still gives it up to the QB. Hamburger helper. <laughs> <laughs> like some taco meat. Now, also, you know, Shaq Bear, you, you got two, you know, two uh, Pro Bowl level booking uh, uh, edge that you can rely on to get to put pressure on your tackle all getting everything. Um, one thing I am concerned about is the depth behind those guys. If either one of those guys missed any amount of significant time, you don't have any proven pass rush. Behind them, but, you know, coming to back them up, uh, they didn't really draft any Packers guys. They uh, they spent a fourth round on Jalen Darden, which is one of my favorite guys to come out of the draft. But that, that's the thing, especially in the, the, the way the league is headed to right now. If you can't get pressure on the quarterback, as much as I love uh, Sue and Vita Vea, those are not guys that you're going to even rely on to get into your pressure. So I know it sounds really nitpicky, and I, I definitely don't think it should be a problem if everybody stays healthy. But uh, look out for uh, Tampa Bay's pass or if, uh, if JPP or Shaq Bay has to miss any significant amount of time. Hey, yeah. before, we, before we really get deep into it, where do y'all rank Antonio Brown in terms of wide receivers in the NFL right now? Number one. You think he's the best receiver in the NFL right now? Best receiver in the NFL. Top 20. You think he's the best receiver in the NFL right now? That's what you're saying. I lied, bro. I lied. You know y'all know. Y'all know AB, yeah, my guy, silly, bro. Man. Y'all know AB, my guy. You AB guy for sure. But in half a season, you know, it took time to get acclimated, and he showed he's still an elite guy. You look at the Super Bowl performance, over 60 yards of Tutty. He's still an elite route runner, elite after the catch, and he's just one of the best guys in the league. Uh, I think one key thing about the Buccaneers last season is they started to pick up after their bye in week 13. You look at the game they played right before their their by a week twelve loss to the Chiefs, who they eventually beat in the Super Bowl. But in that game, that was the game Tyreek went off, had two hundred sixty nine yards and three tighties. And before that game, well, before that game and going into that game, the Buccaneers were using a blitz heavy approach to create pressure. But after that game, they took the bye week and realized, hey, 
we have four guys. We can just rely on them to create pressure on a consistent basis. Talking about the names you mentioned, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Vita Vea, and uh, the Dong Su. So after that game, they started playing more too high coverage, just letting that front four really take care of the box, you know, along with linebacker play in there. And it paid dividends. As you look at the uh, Bucks, they won their last four games by combined 73 points from. So it really put it together in those last four weeks of the season. And that, uh, that had momentum for them into the playoffs. And so, like I said, they got all 22 guys coming back. So we'll see if that cohesion from the end of last season will follow through to the beginning of this season. You know, since we're talking about this season, we got to talk about the inevitable. Is Tom Brady going to fall off the cliff anytime soon? I mean, this is kind of like the, the old, I mean, as this guy, it was, it was always kind of the thing that we talked about with like the Spurs kind of like, you know, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Ginobili, they always looked like, especially that year that we upset them in the playoffs, that one, that one eight upset, they always looked older. They always looked like they were ready to fall off the cliff. The cliff. But, you know, we have a guy like Tom Brady that's beating you with his mind and beating you with, obviously beating you before the, the, the ball is even snapped. It's just really hard to see that, that level of, you know, fall off. The, the drastic amount of the falling off the cliff that you're referring to, Nick, until it actually happened. I mean, personally, I thought that was going to happen in New England when Logan Ryan picked him up as his last play of the Patriots, but obviously that didn't turn out right. So I'm going to head my bet and say until I see it happen, Tom Brady will be in Super Bowl contention. Tom Brady will be at MVP level until I see him have a, a, a Katie Manning level year with last year with the Broncos where he can't throw the ball more than 30 yards down the field. But until that happens, I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I already lost my money once trying to do it. <laughs> Vance, what about you, bro? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Hell no, Tom Brady is not falling off a cliff. He's not going to fall off a cliff. I Physically, I think he already has fell off the cliff some, somewhat, just like Josh said. He threw a game against the Titans uh, two years ago uh, that sent him out of New England. Uh, I think physically, but mentally, bro, he's the, he's the best in the game, the greatest ever in the game. Bro. He's going to know what you're doing before you even do it. So he already has that head start on you. So I feel as if as long as his mind is still working, his, his body's going to keep him there. The only way he falls off the cliff is if he gets injured. That's the only way. So, to close this little segment out about the Buccaneers, this team brought back all, all 22 starters from last year, like we've been hitting on this whole time. Does this make them the favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champions? And the last team to do it was the Patriots in 2003-2004. And, and if the Bucks are to repeat, what do they need to improve on to increase their chances of being successful this season? You said the last team was who? Um, the repeat. Patriots. The Patriots in 03-04. And who was the quarterback? Tom Brady. Damn. Of course they're going to repeat, bro. I'm, I'm not betting against them, bro. As long as they make the playoffs, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I like it, man. I mean, I, I got to agree. I, you know I don't like agreeing with you guys, but, you know, when you have – like, you know, when you lose to a team in the regular season, especially in the manner they did – and you make that adjustment from, you know, a lot of blitzing that man covers the to, to, to two high look, the cover two look, there's not a lot that you can really, you know, there's not a lot that Kansas City, which I think is the only real competition they have in terms of repeating, you're going to be able to do with that. You know, they, you know, we can talk about them a little later, but there wasn't really any significant addition that they made. And, you know, again, I know, I know the, the the two tackles were hurt in the, the two bowl games, but the, that defense was able to consistently get pressure before, like Nick said, not only against, uh, Kansas City, but the entire year. And that's not something that's going to change, you know, at all. Because especially with a, a receiving court as dynamic as Kansas City, but with the rest of the league, if you can have guys, seven guys to consistently drop back and you're not having the blitz to create pressure, that takes a, a, a huge load off of your defensive coordinator and a huge load off your, uh, your your secondary guy. They're not gonna have, they don't have to, you know, rely. They, they don't have to cover as much. So, until it's, the only thing I see stopping Tampa Bay is significant injuries. I don't, I don't foresee that happening, so I, I think they're going to repeat. I like it. I like it. That's two guarantees on the Buccaneers repeat. And I'm just going to throw the disclaimer in now. Don't put your money on what we say. Just going to say that. Put right your money on Tom Brady. Brady. That's what I'm telling you to do. Don't come in our DMs asking us why we lost your money because we will block you. Yeah, <laughs> call Tom Brady, bro. Well, he's gonna, he's gonna be jealous, and he had to throw around. He can pay. He can. He can. He can slide a little fifty dollars. You lost in a parlay, bro. We ain't worried about. So, moving on to another team in the NFC South, a franchise in the same city just had some success in the NBA playoffs. 
we'll see if this NFL team can bounce back and get back to their glory days, considering they just made the Super Bowl in 2016. Talking about the Atlanta Falcons, man. Last season, 4-12. and Started the season 0-5. Week 2 blew a 19-point lead versus the Cowboys. Week 3 blew a 16-point lead against the Bears. And they just had a they had a minus 18-point differential on the season. Lost seven games by five or fewer points. However, they finished in last place in the division. But when you take a deeper look, third place Carolina had five wins. That's one more win. But they had a minus 52-point differential compared to uh, the Falcons. So looking at it, you could argue that the Falcons were a better team than the Panthers last year. And you can argue that they have a lot to build on coming into this year, looking at the uh, additions they've made to that team, names such as Mike Davis, a guy who put up a 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year in Carolina, Kyle Pitts, a generational talent at tight end, Richie Grant, a nice safety out of UCF. They brought some talent to Atlanta, and you still have Matt Ryan, who, like I said, won the MVP just four seasons ago. So looking at this, how do y'all feel about the Falcons coming into this upcoming NFL season? Um, like you said, Nick, they lost a really they lost a lot. They had a lot of bad losses on the schedule. You know, teams that have less than a two point point differential aren't typically that bad. But I mean, my personally, I think that the, a lot of that um, those close losses are related to the offensive defensive line. This is the O line that gave up you know forty one sacks last year, uh, top five worst in the field. And then you look at the defensive line, or even that that front seven in general. You once you get past Deion Jones and Grady Jerry, it's a whole lot of ah, what if. So I think that could that was probably one of the biggest reasons why they weren't really to close out those they weren't really able to close out those late games because you know, you, you get down and you they they weren't able to, to really maintain the whole lead. So I think that I think the one and eight in games decided by less than five points, that's really tough. That's more unlucky than anything else. I think they will definitely improve upon that. But the the, the big jump that I guess people are foreseeing from, from four and twelve to, to seven, nine, eight, eight, that's not something I'm seeing. They still have to improve on, on the offensive line. They still gotta get some help on the edge the, the edge rushers. Uh their free agency guy last year, Dante Fowler, really kinda disappointed. Um <clears throat> outside of I mean, I was, the, the elephant in the room is what do you do without Julio Jones? You know, Calvin really is a is a guy that that saved my fantasy season, you know, ninety catches, almost a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. But outside of that, who are you really looking at? You know, it's, it's, I know Kyle Pitts is highest drafted tight end ever, but you know, how how much expectation do you want to want to? How many? How high expectations do you really want to place on a rookie tight end? You know, he's he's super versatile. He can line up in line, out line, but I mean, he he is physically dominant. I'll say that. But is he going to be the number one go-to guy out of the gate? I mean, that's a question. And with the you know the obvious Julio comparison he's going to have, I just don't. I don't want his career to be ruined just by expectations of him having to immediately produce. So, I, for Atlanta, will they be better than four and twelve? Yes. Will they be better than six and ten? Probably not. Hmm. Uh, the Falcons. You know, they actually remind me of um, a team, another team in the NFL, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Team that they great offense, bro, but the defense is is, is dookie water, bro. It's it's just it's, it's horrible. So. Like you said, Josh, you got Deion Jones uh, after that. And Grady Jarrett, you know, they're, they're, nice, they're nice products for the team. This secondary is the worst secondary in the field. The best player in the secondary is A.J. Terrell. Okay, not, he's, he's a second-year guy. He's the, best, he's the best guy in the defense already. I'm the best guy in the secondary yeah. already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the last memory I have of A.J. Terrell is him in the college football playoff getting cut up against LSU. Jamar Chase. That's the last memory I We all know that was the last memory of A.J. Terrell, but I don't think it's far-fetched to say he was the best rookie DB in the NFL this season. Was he good? I I, I didn't watch it. Film. How I, many Atlanta games did you watch, Nick? I don't think the events watched any combined. So I, 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 I watched one Falcons game, and that was when they played the Cowboys last season. That's the only reason I watched it. <laughs> uh, the, the defense is piss poor. It's just like the Cowboys, bro. You got a nice receiving core, a proven quarterback. Uh, but Mike Davis, does he fit with that with that system in, in Atlanta? Mike Davis, he's a power horse back, bro. But they do have Cordell Patterson. You know, they can use him on third downs. You know, he can do nice things. But it's just like the, the, the fact there's too many holes for the Falcons. In, the, in this type of division, it's too many holes. That is point blank, period. I'm going to come back and talk with a little something, bro. Last season, 
The Falcons had a top five passing attack, 272 yards per game, and Julio only played in nine games. Wasn't as dominant. So on the offensive side, I'm not worried about things, especially considering that uh, the Falcons decided to part ways with Dan Quinn, and they hired Tennessee's offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, this offseason. So looking at what Arthur Smith has been able to do in Tennessee, I think he'll be able to implement some of the same things in Atlanta using Mike Davis. Like I said, the guy had a thousand scrimmage yards last season spelling Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and of course, that's a vast improvement over Todd Gurley, a guy who only averaged 3.5 yards per attempt last season. I think you insert Mike Davis into that backfield and you just look at the talent uh, Atlanta has on offense, looking at Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, uh, like we said, Kyle Pitts, Cordell Patterson. This can be a very versatile offensive attack that can start with a solid run game. You look at Arthur Smith, bro. Even Sean McVay has admitted that he's been stealing from Arthur Smith, bro. And uh, this is the second time that a Tennessee offensive coordinator has gotten a head coaching job. You look at uh, Green Bay and LaFleur and the success they've had there with their offense. They just had the highest score offense in the league this past season. So I wouldn't be surprised if Arthur Smith can take this offense to another level and really lean on that offense to win some games. Yes, the defense is bad. They only had 29 sacks. They were one of the worst pass defenses. They were actually the worst pass defense in the league. But you look at a guy like A.J. Terrell, and that's something to build on and keep, you know what I'm saying, keep improving. So the, the pieces are in place in Atlanta. It just depends on how Arthur Smith comes in. And I think you can lean on that offense to win you some games. Offensive pieces are in place. How many games? How many games, you think? Just, just truly. Just truly. Against the Saints. Against I wouldn't be the Packers. before them in the division. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons end up be the second or third in the division. Over who? Uh, Carolina I think, or North. I think Tampa Bay is a lock at one. And I think the bottom three teams are kind of a toss up. I think Jameis Winston with one hand and that normal business could beat Atlanta. I'm just saying. He hasn't had, had shot the best. But I mean, like you said, there there are we we've done we've done two of these divisions breakdown every summer. On 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 side different sides of the ball, we also point at different position groups to say that you know they have struggles, they have weaknesses. But you look at Atlanta's whole defensive side of the ball, the whole defensive side of the weakness, and they don't have a best a Dak Prescott. I mean, Matt Ryan's going to put up uh, really really good regular season numbers. He's going to throw the ball around pretty efficiently, like you said about Arthur Smith. You know, I think um, him and Johnny Smith, him leading Johnny Smith's uh, career year, him going to the Patriots, like you said with uh, with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. I definitely think some of the two tight end sets that they'll have will, you know, be able to uh, get some good production out of those guys. But look at that, that defense. I don't know, maybe because I'm a hog molly, a defensive guy by nature, but I just don't see that 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 defense winning them any games and being able to, like, I, what had changed from last year? What, what lead would they be able to hold if they get up, like you said, nine, nine points in the fourth quarter, 60 points in the fourth quarter, because their defense is so abysmal that there's no way to keep, no way to keep any sort of lead for any amount of time. So, yeah, the offense will look good. They'll probably put up a lot of fantasy points, but I don't see them getting any more than six weeks. I mean, they, they have they have the pieces to be good on offense, but on defense, you're looking at again probably the worst defense in the NFL. I know Vance talked about the, the, having them having the worst secondary in the field, but there is absolutely no inspiration outside of Grady and Deion Jones in that front seven. And you, like you said, you talk about that secondary. They they're not stopping anybody from scoring 30 points a game, and that's going to be a big problem for them. I kind of wanted to lean towards, you know, the them having bad luck in these these, these close four quarter games. But again, what are they gonna what are they gonna be able to do when that defense is on the field? Absolutely nothing. So, pretty sad. It'll look good on the fantasy teams. I'll take a couple of Atlanta uh, Falcons players on my team. But in terms of team success, I'm gonna stamp them for uh, a fourth place division, a last place, a last place finish in the division again. This is my last point on the Falcons. They brought in Dean Pease, the former defensive coordinator in Tennessee, as their new D.C. I think he'll have some success in creating pressure with that unit. You look at what Tennessee was able to do last season without a true pure pass rusher. They were still able to pressure the quarterback and make opposing quarterbacks' lives difficult. So I think that's a plus for the Falcons. And you also have to consider the Falcons have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. I think they'll be able to win some games. I mean, if they do, it'll be all shootout. It'll, it'll be 42 to 4 to 38. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like Matt Ryan. I really don't like 
But he ain't no, he's not a Dak Prescott that keeps to, to single handedly win you in the game. This is not 2017, Matt So, uh, we see it different this time. So, it was. So, now let's move on to the East Coast. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. This is a team that's had a lot of changes this offseason, and I'm excited to see how it goes. So, starting out, this team went 5 and 11 last season, and it was an up and down season. 11 of their 16 games were decided by eight or fewer points. So, but there were a lot of bright spots on this team last season. For the fifth time in NFL history, they had four players who reported over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, looking at DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and Mike Davis. And I just threw this out there to show y'all the versatility of a Joe Brady, Matt Rule offense and how it gets a lot of guys involved. Now, unfortunately for the Panthers, Curtis Samuel and Mike Davis are no longer with the team. But you do have Christian McCaffrey coming back this year, and he should be, you know, a dude yet again. We've seen him uh, before the injury in 2019 and how he really came onto the scene with 1,000 receiving yards and 1,000 rushing yards. So look for Christian McCaffrey to be big this year. But coming into this year, bro, Carolina has focused on retooling that defense. Uh, in 2020, they used all seven of their draft picks on defensive players, and a lot of those guys panned out for them. Looking at guys like Derrick Brown, Gross Mottos, Jeremy Chen, who had two uh, home recovery, to two defensive touchdowns in a game, uh, Kenny Robinson. Just they really retooled that defense, and it's helped them become a better team in the process. So, looking at this upcoming year, last year was Matt Rule's first year as the head coach. And he had no preseason, no, none of that. And he said it really was problematic last season for him trying to adjust to the game and just trying to learn the team because he didn't get to see the team face-to-face until spring training. He even said that the team's first game felt like a scrimmage just because he had never experienced nothing like that before, talking about an NFL game. So looking to 2021, what kind of leaps, improvements, just how do y'all see this Carolina team looking in 2021? Um. As much as I hate to say it, I definitely I I think they they they're due for a big jump. You get a as much as we love we support black men on this show. Teddy Bridgewater was really turnover prone. It's him he just wasn't the solution to Carolina. You bring in a guy <clears throat> Sam Donald, you know, a, 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 a little bit of a higher ceiling, a little bit of a, a more prototypical guy, and you pair him with one of his favorite targets uh, in New York with Robert Anderson. You put him around a lot more weapons and a, and an actual competent head coach in you know, that rule. So I think. He's definitely due for a little, a little bit of a bump right there, and honestly, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be the the the, the determining factor and how far the team can go. You know, the O line with again this old, being in the trenches, the O line for this team is looking really, really, really shaky. You know, Greg Little they finally gave him up. The only certified starter they got in there, the Taylor Morton, the right tackle. But then you're looking at the whole bunch of journeymen at the other four spots: Cam Irving, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Rule. Um, they drafted the, they drafted the Brady Christian out of BYU, but O line is you know the certified weakness of this team. So they just, like Nick said, the team has a lot of weapons. You know, guys that they can spread the ball the ball around to. You're getting arguably the best running back, the best all around back back in the game in Christian McCaffrey. But it's often not if they can't the O line can't protect and get them long enough. And then in terms of you know how we see them on the defensive side of the ball. This is kind of the, the key determining factor I see between them and Atlanta. You got guys like Nick said, like a Jeremy Chan, like a Derrick Brown, but also and then you trade for a AJ Bowie, somebody that can you know really solidify that nickel spot, or even you know he's been a, a an outside corner at the time, at the time of his career. But then on the on the uh, on the D line, you have a, a certified superstar, in my eye, and the guy in Brian Burns that's gonna that double digit sack last year, and you know somebody that either your left or right tackle is gonna say the word about it night. So. That's you know when you talk about uh, Atlanta being second, third in the uh, in the NFC South, I just can't see it just because of the, the defensive pieces that you mentioned, Nick, that uh, Carolina has. You know, better secondary, better front seven, and I think that they can compensate for the uh, the little the the lack of QB production that may or may not have in the, uh, at the beginning of the season. But Joe Brady can auto he can I think he can spread out with the weapons that they got and the system that he had in place, you know, coming from LSU and that Joe Burrow system and all the magic they, they may have in, uh, you know, in that championship run. I think that they can they can kind of cover some of Sam Darnold's uh, weaknesses and uh, struggles in the beginning of the season. So I, I feel, you know, eight and eight. I think that Brian Burns takes another step. I think that Derrick Brown takes another step as well. You know, like you said, you got Jeremy Chin. This is a pretty good football team. 
They they were they were up and down. They were inconsistent. They had a three game winning streak last year. But if they can put all the pieces together, and Sam Donald can be as consistent as unfortunate I think he could have been in New York. We just had a competent team around him. I think they're due for they're due for a, a big jump. And they can I think the the same way you feel about Atlanta, I feel about Carolina. They can they can go in. I would I would put this in the second in NFC South and. Possibly, depending on how good Sam Donald looks at the end of the season, competing for a wild card spot. Mm. I actually agree with you, Coach. Everything you just said, I completely agree 100%. Just like you said, uh, how Nick feels about the Falcons, I feel the same way about the Panthers. I think they have that type of ceiling. I, Besides the Buccaneers, you can even say they're the, they're the most complete team in the NFC South. Bro. It's, uh, they might even have the best offense in the NFC South. Like It really just depends on how Sam Donald plays. They have a better they have a better running back than the Buccaneers. Everybody in, in, in this chat is gonna take Christian McCaffrey over Leonard Fournette. I don't care what you say. I mean Anderson, top twenty receiver. DJ Moore, he can he can get you some fantasy points, bro. He can he he'll win the one on one, the jump balls, everything you need. Terrace Marshall Jr. X Factor. How is he gonna come? I mean, if Terrace Marshall Jr. can be that third guy, you know, get you. 800, 900 yards on the slot, that goes from winning maybe eight, nine games to winning 11 games and getting you in the playoffs. The defense, it, it, it's, it's a deep defense. I, I, that's why I think they're the most complete team. I think they have possibly the, the best offense in the NFC South. I think they have the second best defense in the NFC South. And I, the thing about them, I would say there was, three, there was three superstars in this draft defensively. It was Patrick Sertain. Michael Parsons and J.C. Horn and the Panthers, they they hit with that. I think they're going to have two lockdown corners. One of the few teams in the NFL, well, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Rams, uh, maybe the Packers. That's four teams. I think they're the fifth team. They're going to have two lockdown. With do you think they got three? Huh? Bouye. It's true. Yeah. So, so you can put one in the nickel. That's lock. You can put nickel the whole game. You know how rare that is in the NFL to get. Yeah. The- I, I like I like what I see from the from the Panthers, bro. We'll see how they can put it together. Well, talking about putting it together, bro. Just on a scale of one to ten, what is all his faith in Sam Donald that he puts it together in this Joe Brady offense? I just keep hurting my heart, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, it's okay, you know. Cut ties with him. He, he's no longer a Jet, and I wish him all the best. I can I can calmly say eight eight and a half. You know, he's not a guy that, I mean, you know, the thing go comment always kind of threw me for a loop a little bit and caused me to challenge his mental capacity and his ability to recover. But when you got a guy like Kevin Holmes saying he didn't re- know how to recover until his second year in the league, it really makes me question how important he still is. The, the talent he has around him, the system that's in place uh, with Brady, the fact that Matt Rule will be his second year in his first, I guess, regular, regular year as a head coach, I think that he, in, in a, also in a defense that can also keep them on the field and take pressure off them at certain times. They can go out there and win them a game. I, I'm pretty confident Sam Donald. I don't know if he's going to come out the gate, you know, the game buster is, you know, throwing 300 yards a game. But somebody that can, you know, start off as a game manager, get, get, the, get the ball to his playmakers, hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, he doesn't have to do too much right now. That's the biggest thing for him. I think in New York, there was an overload of responsibility that we kind of asked him to do. Uh, everything. I mean, which is the number two overall, number three overall pick is not, you know, out of the realm of possibility. But we see now, you know, with these top ten quarterbacks, these highly drafted quarterbacks, give them a year to sit down, give them a year to get seasoned, give them a year to to take in the playbook and learn the NFL game. And um, I don't stand to get that chance in New York. And the decision eight seven two now, it, he's going to be a starting quarterback, but he's not going to be, he's not going to bear the brunt of the, the entire offense like he did in New York. So eight and a half, I give him eight and a half. Only thing eight and a half about Sam Donald is his forehead, bro. I'm gonna give me a tick. Hey, it, it, honestly, bro, it's just like. Well, then again, I don't know, bro. He, like you said, he was with the Jets, bro. I, it's the Jets. Uh, it, hey, not too much, bro. Just like if you let's say you had little Johnny, his whole life he's went to Crenshaw High School, textbooks were outdated, fights every day at school. Maybe it's just the environment he was in. But now he's at prep school. He's at IMG. We're gonna see if we can get him right. You know, he's in. A, He's probably in an offensive system that, that fits his style and an offensive line that, that, that can block for longer than two seconds. So I, I'm going to say six for right now. You might be right with the eight and a half. I just got to see it first. Maybe it's the environment. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there, bro. Last season, this is a guy that in 12 games completed less than 60% of his passes, 
threw for 6.1 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So it's got to be nowhere but up for this guy, right? Tell me, watching those games, he did not have a. If, uh, okay, you got Robbie Anderson, you got D.J. Moore. Who's the third? Who's the guy? The third best receiver? Probably Terrence David Moore. Step up. Oh, David oh, Moore too. Martin, too. You know, they did not have a guy on the team last year as good as Terrence Marshall right now. So that's going to solve a lot of those problems right now. When you have competent guys that they're going to be able to throw the ball to. Now, again, I'm a Jets fan. I see Sam Donald all the time. He did, you know, as much as we love the not Hazen, but the, the, the ridiculous and the horrible stuff that he did put up, he did make a lot of plays have make a lot of plays happen behind that bad Jets O line, you know, horrible Jets receivers. So I'm just I don't know if my my uh, my is coming in, but I'm still fooled by the arm talent. I'm, I'm a Mike Mayock guy, but this is a guy that was taking top three in the draft for a reason. Definitely think that he didn't like like uh like Vance said with his little Johnny weapon. This is a guy that needed to get a, in the right environment and the right system. And I see him flourishing. I'll hold you to it, bro. I'll hold you to it. So now moving down to New Orleans, this is a team that went 12 and 4 last year, but they lost in the divisional round to the Buccaneers 34 to 23 after beating them twice in the regular season. So looking at the Saints, bro. I think it's only fair that we go back through their recent playoff history just to make a certain demographic of people mad, bro. So, of course, this season, they lose to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Demolished them throughout the regular season, but, of course, Tom Brady came back, got it back in blood. Just going to leave it at that. Gritty and all over uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So now we're going to throw it back to 2019. Lost in the wild card to the Vikings. And you know who won that game for him? None other than big man Kyle Rudolph with the goal line fade on fourth down to steal the game yet again in Mercedes-Benz Superdome. 2018, I think we all know how that one went with Stefan Diggs throwing the helmet, uh, the Minneapolis miracle, whatever you want to call it. Chase Keenum defeats Drew Brees. So looking at this, bro, before we get into our predictions. You have to do that, bro. <laughs> I just, I just want to. I enjoyed it myself personally. <laughs> My New Orleans boys don't take it. Hey, but, yeah, that, hey, we stay straight facts on the pod, man. Y'all been going out pretty fast. Y'all been going out pretty fast. No care. I'm just saying, bro. In the playoff games, I'm gonna throw a little bit more at y'all, bro. Everybody's everybody in New Orleans' greatest quarterback of all time, Drew Brees. In those three playoff game losses, my man's had seven touchdowns. Seven interceptions, completed 65% of his passes, and threw for 885 yards. Oh, well, he was on track for 30 for 30, just like Jay. <laughs> Jay's <laughs> going to right there. Wow. <laughs> so, before we get into our little preview, We're going to get canceled in Louisiana. Uh, it don't matter. Before we get into our little preview. They can't, they can't listen that well anyway. They can't talk either. That amount of copy. Thanks. I mean, they make groceries, but how much, you tell me how much sense that <laughs> You tell me you go to the grocery store and make your own groceries. I don't see you picking up grapes. is low in Louisiana. <laughs> but, hey, no cap, no cap. But like I said, before we get into the preview, did the Saints waste the end of Drew Brees' career as that one ring in 2009 was the only ring they got in their only Super Bowl appearance? They was winning in spite of Drew Brees, bro. Mm. Especially the last, the last two seasons, yes. That's that's facts. I mean, he, he was looking a little petty manage out there, but him and Sean Payton, they had like the, the Stockton Malone thing going. I, I, I wouldn't say in spite of Drew Brees. I, I mean, he he was a, a, a pro bowl, all, I said all sorry, all pro quarterback for what? Ten years straight in New Orleans, I think it was it was more than enough time for him to, to got to be carried by a defense and a receiving core. So, um, but yeah, you put in the black and white terms like that um, to be the, the NFL career leader in passing yards, um, to, to be kind of a savior for that city. I think yeah, he's a little bit awake. You all that that uh, that one Super Bowl, all that postseason heartbreak, and then constantly losing the teams that I feel like weren't better than you in the postseason. I think I think I think it could be considered a waste. No, no fault I would say of Drew Brees, but um, just just more unfortunate circumstances coming from Louisiana. That's 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 how you come that up. Mm. Well, I'm uh, I'm gonna be blunt here. It's Drew Brees' fault they ain't got another ring, man. Thanks. This past three years, 
uh, all New Orleans people are saying, oh, we ain't got no defense, we ain't got no defense. Well, the past three years, you've had a very elite defense. Looking at last season, this team was fourth in yards allowed. They had the sixth best, best pass defense, the fourth best rush defense, and they were fifth in points allowed. They were eighth in sacks and third in turnovers created. And they led the NFC with 18 picks. Looking at that defense, bro, that's a defense that you can trot out any game, and you can trust that defense to win you some games, point blank, period. And that's what they did. Looking at Drew Brees last year, or towards the end of his career, up to week 10 last season, Drew Brees had only attempted 13 passes over 20 yards. And up to that week 10 mark, he had 5.2 air yards per completion. But even though that's true, this offense was still fifth in points scored uh, with 482 points on the season. Uh, they lost Michael Thomas and Drew Brees for four games. They were still one, I want to say they still, they went three and one in those four games with Taysom Hill as the starter. And still, this is a team, in my opinion, that's built around Alvin Kamara. And I think that's how we're going to see this team trend uh, going into their post-Drew Brees era. So looking at this team, bro, what is y'all's expectations? But I want to start out with who is y'all's expectation as starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints in 2021? Ooh. Man, good question. You don't pay attention all that money to have it with the headset and the cap on. That's all I'm going to say. You know, they get they invented him. They've uh, They kind of kept him around for a long time. They only signed Jameis uh, through next season. And, um, I mean, Taysom Hill always uh, – he, he's not a, as good as a pure passer, I say, Jameis, but he always a lot more things outside of the pocket and, you know, with, with his leg. And he, he's a decent enough passer, and he has enough weapons around him with uh, Marcus Callaway, Deontay Harris, and then turning around and handing the ball off to uh, Alvin Kamara, that he can – this can be a, a, a functional offense. You know, like Nick said, I think that this, this team, you know, for some years is known as, you know, the, the offensive juggernaut, it will have to now rely upon the defense in that pass rush and that, uh, that DeMarco Davis, that front seven, and some of the guys in that secondary. But, um, I mean, again, you don't pay him all that money. You don't pay him $70 million to be having a clipboard in his hand. So, based on that fact alone, I would go with Taylor Field. Mm, uh, I think Jameis Winston is going to be the, the starting quarterback. I think he has better arm talent. I think he's a good enough runner to be the quarterback. And in terms of uh, getting Taysom Hill on the field, bro, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. They're, they're starting tight end is Adam Troutman, bro. I don't even know who that is, where, where he comes from. They they can put Taysom Hill right there to be uh, the, the other tight end. When it's a, a running, I mean, a passing route, I mean, he'll fit on the field just fine. You got him for special teams, on everything you need. He could be in the backfield. He can run a two-quarterback set. You can have two guys back there. Who knows? Trust me, Sean Payton is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He will find a way. But I, I'm, I'm going to say Jameis Winston is, is the answer if you want. It, he has a higher ceiling. He can win you more games. You can't win a Super Bowl with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Vance here, bro. You look at Taysom Hill, bro, he's just a white Joe Webb, if we're being honest, bro. If we're being entirely honest. Joe Webb? Well. Boy, you put that one out your ass, bitch. <laughs> 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 But looking at Taysom Hill, bro, I think we got to take a deeper dive and just look at it, bro. Yes, he went 3-1 and one last season uh, as the starter when Drew Brees went down. But that was two wins over Atlanta and uh, the win over Denver without Drew Locke because of COVID. That was when basically Denver's whole quarterback room had COVID and they had to start wide receiver. Let me rephrase that. Practice squad wide receiver, Kendall Hidden, at quarterback. So those three losses got some asterisks on it. But you look at what at what Jameis Winston brings, especially in that preseason game versus the Jags on Monday night. James put on a show in the first quarter, in my opinion. And him and Marquez Cavalier put on a show, point blank, period. And with Taysom Hill, you can still use him the way you used him with Drew Brees as a H-back, as a tight end, as a blocker, as your speed option, uh, read option quarterback. So I think Putting Jameis as your starting quarterback gives you a better chance to win. And I think Jameis is kind of itching for that chance to become a starter again. I think he's going to meet those expectations just because he hasn't started an NFL game in, what, two years now? So I think he's itching at this opportunity. And he got LASIK eye surgery, bro. He's back. Yeah. I mean, him getting beat up by the, uh, the tackling dummies in practice never really helped him out in terms of his persona. And, again, I just – you know – 
I'll say this. I, do I think Jameis Winston probably should be the, the week one starting quarterback and, and take that team a little bit higher? Yes, I definitely do. But you take you, you the the front office seems to have made the decision before Sean Payton could. You know, with the extensions, we're only signing Jameis through one year, and then you know, even with the the the, the preseason performance with Jameis showing out and Taysom Hill still getting a lot of uh, the one reps, I think you know they've been going back and forth. And they said they haven't really named the starter, but again. I don't think that you go into week one. I don't think it's a doubt in my mind that Taysom Hill is going to be the one to start. And, you know, I don't know what they do because he's not a traditional quarterback. Maybe they go to some type of awesome offense. They 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 really invest in running the ball. They got a great offensive line, you know, two booking tackles and, a, and Pete and a Ryan Ranchick. Maybe that's the route that they go and really just try to beat you up on the ground. The, but, I mean, you got Michael Thomas out. We, you know, Marquez, Marquez Calloway looks really good. I don't know if he's going to be able to just step in into a, a receiver one right now, week one. There's a lot of questions about how this, this offense can move the ball throughout there in general. So maybe they just stick it to uh, to ground and pound. I mean, you it, that, that's a good idea. But if you look at Alvin Kamara, bro, like in his uh, every year he's been in the NFL, he hasn't played a full season yet. The most he played was he played in 15 games last season. No, 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 the year before that. I think he got hurt last. No, it was last season. He played 15 games last season. That's the most games he played his whole career. I mean, I think I let Tavius Murray back there, somebody that's used to being bell cow, they can take off some of the pressure off him. That showed up really well last year and kind of emerged from that. Uh, got it, they kind of emerged as a guy that could take, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game and not press AK and make him a workhorse. They can use them in a variety of different ways. So, I mean, looking at it objectively, the strength of this team is their their front seven and their running attack. So it may sound real uh, 1950-ish smash now football, but this game is going to be one for them with that defensive line and with that running game. Do, do you think uh, the Super Bowl ceiling's uh, gone? Do you think it's close? Most oh, definitely. Sure. It's so, gone. It's over with. The way what's us talking through it, I really see them in third behind Carolina in the division. I mean, unless either James or Payton really comes out and shows some 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 talent, or one of these receivers that kind of unknown right now really steps up. I mean, I wouldn't put a mark pass Marquez Callaway at this point. He out there looking like Odell. But unless something really special happens for them, they're not going to be able to consistently move the ball against this uh, against any you know competent secondary in the league. And then we just we just rehash. You know, you got Carolina, you got Tampa Bay. You got, you know, uh, you got Atlanta. I mean, they, they might torch up a little, Atlanta a little bit. But you got two competent secondaries in this division that's going to be able to, you know, essentially, you know, man you up all game and dare one of those receivers, you know, to get off press coverage or dare one of your quarterbacks to make a good throw, you know, in uh, 20, 25 times a game. And I don't see either Jameis or Taysom being able to do that. So uh, I don't know if AK needs to have 2,000 yards on the ground. Taysom Hill needs to, you know, turn into Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. We didn't know about it, but they're going to really just struggle just in this division to generate a, 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 a legit, efficient passing offense. And so here's my last point about the Saints. This offseason, they lose Trey Hendrickson, led the team with 13 and a half sacks. Gutted. Oh, defense gutted. Front seven gutted for the most part. Ooh. Ooh. So how do you feel about that defense coming in this season? So is this a big deal for the Saints, considering that they drafted Marcus, traded up to draft Marcus Davenport two years ago, and seemingly could he step into that role? Um, I mean, here's the thing. You said guy Cam Jordan, one of the, the I would say top five edge rushers of not all time uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, a little bit. He he, uh, he broke last year. He only had eight and a half sacks. Broke a three year streak of twelve and a half, twelve plus sacks each season. So. I mean, Trey Henderson, we've seen kind of these, these one-year wonders. I would say Shaq Barrett to a lesser sense, but guys that kind of break out in terms of the sack totals, either by scheme or by pressure, or even having an elite uh, edge rush on, on the other side of the other team that, to pay, that teams have to pay attention to. So, I mean, that's important somebody I really like. Carl Reynolds is somebody uh, also I really like. But personally, knowing how D-line works and knowing how the, you know, a, uh, offensive line, you know, shifts and fans, things like that, I would say the the interior losses they had with Sheldon Rankin, you know, Malcolm Brown, those will be probably more not more effective, more worrisome in terms of generating the interior pressure and then tackles in these offensive linemen not having to exert as much energy on you know on these uh passers the edge rushes that Atlanta, that New Orleans had. So I mean, you still got uh Demario Davis, you still got Marcus Lattimore. Not sure if he's still a number one cornerback or not. Nick can probably tell me better than that, but um no. We uh 
quarterbacks are, are more afraid of pressure in their face than off the edge anyways. So Cam Jordan needs to have a, back, a bounce back season. But even if he does, I just don't really see the defense being able to hold up the, the end, the, the, to, to hold the carry the weight of the team like it has in the, the previous couple seasons. And, you know, you talk about a, a shaky defense at the best, a, a shaky passing game, a shaky passing game in the league where it's essentially basketball on air. Looks a lot like eight and eight. I'll say that eight and eight, seven and nine. Okay, it's just something drastically happens. Mm, I, I think it's gonna li- losing uh, the guy for the 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 Bengals. What's his name? Trey Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. I don't know why I had a brain fart, but losing Trey Hendrickson, I think it's gonna hurt them in terms of only be able to have to send four guys instead of. Um, sending a blitz. Now you're gonna have to blitz a lot more just to get that same pressure. Marcus Davenport, he's a great, he's a great player. A good, no, he's a good player. I don't, I'm not sure if he's great. Can he get there? Of course he can. Uh, you know, but I think they're gonna be fine as long as they blitz. They're gonna have to blitz more, which is not a problem, bro. But it, it's nice to be able to just sit, sit guys in coverage and only rush four. But you still got Quan Alexander, Demario Davis that you can send on blitzes at the linebacker position. I think they'll be fine. Uh, I think Dennis Allen, he, he's a great defensive coordinator. Saints have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL, and that shows year in and year out. Mm, I, can't, I, can't, I can't let you slide with that, Vance. I mean, I, you know, Mark Danwood is a long-legged, taller guy. Um, I think, you know, Cam Jordan and Trey Henderson was really the, the primary reason for his development. You know, they drafted a guy out of Houston, Payne Turner, 28. You know, we'll see. A lot of people thought they reached for him uh, at the back end of the first round. But uh, kind of a, I say a highway speed guy, but kind of one of those physical freaks that uh, that Edward, the uh, prototypical edge rusher. He looks like a prototypical edge rusher, but <clears throat> I just don't see it. You know, you lose a, you lose a starting corner in Janora Jenkins. We we always talk about again how Margaret Lattimore is only a C corner when he's not facing against Mike Evans, and you're not replenishing with that defense with a lot of stuff. So again, you, you're looking at a defense that taking some knocks. You're looking at an offense that, despite you know Drew Brees pulling off his his, his Denver Broncos paid man in the pressure, was still an efficient quarterback and know how to manage the game. To now a completely unknown at quarterback. So your your offense is, your defense isn't as good as last year, and your offense is seemingly going to put more pressure on that defense to be to, to need to be as good as it was. So those two things aren't those those two things don't mix at all. And it's a recipe for disaster. So either AK needs to have 2,000 yards. They didn't have one of these rookies, Peyton Turner, these young pass rushers really step up and take that next step and become a consistent double-digit guy. Or it's going to be a dogfight for New Orleans week in and week out to get to 8-8. Eight eight. So, to sum it all up, bro, New Orleans, you have no hope. I don't want to hear no talks about we're going to the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear nobody saying Mike Thomas, the best receiver in the league. I don't want to hear none of that. It's over. Y'all are done. Take your seat, please. So with the that, best bro, thing y'all got going for y'all right now is Zion. And he can't dress. Nick don't even like so, Zion. I just hope y'all enjoy y'all snowballs, y'all daiquiris, all of that. Because New Orleans sports. <laughs> New Orleans sports, y'all going to take a little hiatus for a little minute. Just so y'all know. Just a little. Just a long bit. The food's still swimming, though. I will say that. Oh, God. Zion cannot dress. Just like we do all these previews. How do y'all see the NFC South shaking up at the end of the year? Oh, uh, I got Tampa Bay at four. That would be as my – no, Tampa Bay, I think it's a, we said it was a lock for one. Um, discussing how much we just down on the on the Saints. I'm, I'm gonna put them. I'm gonna put them third. I know I went out of order, but just because of a name recognition and relevancy and the the target demographic of this show, I think it's important to realize that Carolina will be a better team than them. I got Carolina in the uh, second place in the division. Like I said, the, the steps that Joe Brady, Sam Darnold, and the women that he got around him, I definitely think that, you know, he, he's kind of stepping into his role as a starting quarterback. And um, no one needs to be careful. So I got Atlanta in the fourth spot right now. But um, depending on what Kyle Pitt does, depending on what Arthur Smith does with those, these two tight end sets, they could, be end up, they could end up being last in the division. Very easy. I'll say that. So I'll, I'll, I'll go Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta for right now. Tampa Bay. Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta for right now. But uh, if Taysom Hill is as bad as we think he is, or Davis Wilson, you know, his latest surgery wears off, it could look a lot like 6 and 10 for them. 5 and 11, or 5 and 13, or 5 and 12, 4 and 13. So, hey, y'all got Zion, y'all got good food, y'all got um, good looking women, but football is going to be a little bit of a little MIA for y'all for a minute. 
I'm a, I'm gonna go with the Falcons at four and thirteen, in fourth place. Third place, I'm gonna go with the Panthers at eight and nine. Like, uh, it's gonna be a lot of toss-up games. They can end up winning a 10, 11, 12 games. It's very much possible. But I'm gonna go at eight and nine for now. I just got, I gotta see it to believe it. Second place. Before we started this podcast, I actually had a tie for first place with the Saints and the Buccaneers. Literally at 13 and 4. But you guys don't peer pressure me and bully me into getting the Saints second place at, at, at 10 and 7. <laughs> Honestly, uh, but first place, of course, I'm gonna have to go with the Buccaneers at 13 and 4. And that's my rankings. Okay. So for me, outside of the Bucks at number one. I think you're going to see a lot of eight, nine, even 10 win teams uh, in the bottom three of this division. So with that being said, I got the Panthers at number two, Falcons at number three, and the sad-ass Saints at number four. Ooh. Dang. I don't well, know. I think it's hard annoying, though. Don't win them a game or two. I mean, the Superdome is a tough place to go in to win games, but mm, they don't the because of the talent on the field. Not for the Rams. Not for Tampa Bay. He said it not me, y'all. Right. No, he said, he, he said if you went to Millsaps, you will understand, Josh. You think it's not a lot of Louisiana people out here? All these them? Uh, these 504 uh, boys up. I don't know. I'm almost said some incriminating stuff. Where you at? I, you I ain't used Louis- Yeah. All, all these, these uh, Louisiana Y'all still got massage parlors? <laughs> wow. Hey, cut it off, Nick. He, done, he, he had a pocket now, man. He don't know what to do with himself. And so, we finna close this episode out, man. It's nothing personal to you if you got a 504 area code. Live in New Orleans or the greater, you know what I'm saying, New Orleans area. Oh, you we said bad, then fan- you heard me. <laughs> we just not big fans of the Saints, bro. I'm sorry. Just don't take it personal. But with that, anyway, bro, make sure y'all tune in for the rest of our previews. And we out of here.